Welcome back. This is the Millionaire Mastermind. We've got some of our favorite coaches. These are people who are specialized in their arena. We have Doug McGurk, a trained public speaker. Trained speakers is a coach and builds coaching programs. And so he hits the market in the business owner arena. We've got Mitch Jorsky, who is a master, used to be a trade a day trader in the stock market, now a crypto master, a real estate investor, author of the book, Scaredy Cat Guide to Real Estate Investing. I forgot to mention that Doug McGurk is also a published author, wrote the book Under Construction. We've got Ryan McDermott, a professional financial advisor, also a real estate investor, and he's probably the most moral, ethical financial advisor I know because he 100% bases his opinion on what you've actually got, not where uh, where he wants you to go, but where you actually want to go. Darina Pagodina just jumped in. She's working on building 100 millionaires with me. She's in the community. She's our connector. And she's also uh, nearly, well, she's a millionaire by owning real estate. She owns three over $300,000 buildings in Worcester. And so she's right at that point where she's hit that millionaire status of having at least a million dollars in assets. And she's slowly working on paying those off so she can get that net worth uh, all the way up there. Ron Bowling, now that dude, he's quiet, he's silent, but he pays attention to a lot of stuff. He's my business partner, multimillionaire. He's got three businesses that he runs that I just am a part of. And I get to be the pretty face while he gets to be the backbone that cracks the whip on all of our wonderful associates, employees, and partners. And so round of applause for everybody in the room. You guys are amazing. I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedules. I've got one question to pose, and that is where do we put our money and where do we spend our time? I want to run around the room and see how do we maximize the most out of this. We've got, as Brian was just mentioning, we've got economical uh, changes coming. We've got bubbles. We've got a political arena that could cause some volatility. There are bubbles in every industry. And uh, I wanted to call this council together because each one of you is a specialist in what you do. Ryan, if you can uh, pitch the, the couple of things you were just telling us as arenas that you think could cause some volatility or cause some runs, uh, what were those concerns that you had uh, presented to us a second ago? Yeah, I mean, I think the two, I mean, the two biggest elephants in, in the room are, uh, you know, the presidential election uh, and the outcome of that and, um, and where COVID is going. And those seem to be the two, the, the two things that um, are in everybody's minds um, every single day. Um, even if we don't want them to be on our minds, they're, <laughs> they're put in our minds by social media and any, you know, wherever we turn. So it's on the, you know, it's on everybody's minds in America. And, um, you know, I think what I was saying before was, I think for me, the best outcome of this presidential election, um, I, I, I won't, I won't pick a candidate, but I'll say if the candidate is, is picked on the night of the election, that that's gonna that's gonna help things. I think um, if if it's if it's a debatable uh, outcome or a debatable result, um, I think we'll see a lot of. Uh, I'll see, I think we'll see some pretty crazy volatility. So volatility is not good for long-term investors. Uh, actually, it's not bad for long-term. It's only bad for short-term investors if they're trading in and out of positions. That's right. Yeah. And so yeah, I mean, if you're if you're a long-term investor, volatility. Um, you, you know, while, while, while you, you don't like to see it and it makes you, uh, makes you nauseous sometimes, if you're working with a financial planner or financial advisor, they're the ones that should be able to talk you off the ledge and, and make you think out to what your time horizon actually is. And, uh, and that, that's, uh, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in not timing the market. Uh, that's kind of always, you know, I'm always buying. Um, and, that, and that's what we encourage a lot of our clients to do. Um, but yeah. That's uh, if you're if you're if you're short, this is kind of a crazy time, I think. I, I love it. So if you're short, this is kind of a, a crazy time. Mitch Jorsky, you're kind of a day trader, or at least you were the past was day trading for you. What do you think? Is there opportunity to be made during the presidential election? I mean, you know, I don't want to root against, root against the crowd, but I'm kind of hoping for all those things. Ryan's saying we don't want because I'm short the hell out of the market right now. Um, and every time Pelosi opens her mouth about, Hey, we're making progress on stimulus. The market magically just does a U-turn and goes straight up. And I'm like, there goes my trade again. Um, so I actually don't mind if there's going to be indecision with the election, because in the end, I don't know if it matters who wins, but yeah, like Ryan said, 
a lack of decision will create a lot of volatility over that couple of weeks if you know the results are being challenged or whatever it is. Um, so I'm in a win-win scenario. If it happens, then sweet, my shorts make some money. If it doesn't, then all is good and my real estate doesn't come crashing down and my you know IRA is still you know sitting pretty. So uh, in terms of that short-term point of view, uh, yeah. That's what I guess you call being hedged because <laughs> regardless of which happens, I have profit potential. So, um, so you're hedged using some of your real estate and some of your longer positions. Well, I'm also hedged with my short-term uh, trading positions that are betting on downward volatility. And then my IRA is obviously all long-term holds. Um, so I have exposure to both sides. Uh, so really I'm just hedging the, the near-term risk on my long-term holdings when it comes to the stocks. So what you're saying is for the next month, you are going to be nonstop looking at your phone, keeping an eye on the, the stocks and the positions, making sure everything's running smoothly? Uh, incorrect. No. <laughs> I should be, but I'm not. I mean, I don't, I don't have time to stare at the, the chart all day long. Um, so I just have that position on. I glance at it once a day, uh, make adjustments if I need to maybe get annoyed if, you know, I missed a nice big dip and then the market already bounced uh, within the day, um, you know, trials and tribulations of a day trader. But uh, yeah, so that's the upfront, I guess, uh, point of view. Um, but in the end, I agree with Ryan's sentiment about um, regardless of who wins, as long as we have clarity, um, that'll be most important for the markets. Um, also clarity on the stimulus because the longer that drags out, the more, you know, the financial markets aren't going to like it. So um, those are things to keep an eye on, at least in the near term. Okay. And Ryan, what do you think about uh, Mitch's opinion there? Actually, well, I want to go to Mike, but go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, I, I guess, um, you know, not so much, much about his opinion. Um, you know, again, I, 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 I don't, I'm not sort of a day, I've never day traded. I don't know. Um, you know, I have, a, you know, I've read books on it and everything like that, but I've never done it for a client. I don't, I've not done it for myself either. Um, I, I will say just, just on volatility and I'm looking up at, at another screen here. This is just something I pulled up um, just on bear markets, um, you know, in the nervousness that we have with it, you know, between 1950 and today, the S&P 500 underwent 10 bear markets. The average bear market lasted about 14 months with an average market decline of 34%. Just 34% is, is about what happened uh, in this past bear market. In contrast, the ensuing bull markets during this time period lasted more than four years on average with an average gain of 136%. And, yeah. and I always sort of like to look at stats like this when, when I personally get nervous about where, where things are going. And it always makes me stay the course. If, if you sell, you lose. Um, yeah. And that, like that, that that's just, you know, stay in, <laughs> stay, stay in, understand you and understand your time horizons. You know, if your if your time horizons are short, um, mine aren't. Most of my clients aren't. Um, if if your time horizons are short, you, you know, then you really need to be looking at allocation closer. But if they aren't, stay in, Don't stop. I love 100%. it. Good good advice, Mike Shine. What do you think? Um, I wholeheartedly agree with uh with ryan um they uh stay in i think i learned uh, recently from uh the book uh, that we're reading set for life that there's a distinction between volatility and risk yep. and uh yes the stock market goes up and down and sometimes if you're looking at it daily you'll get a lot of gray hairs <laughs> um, but over no the long hairs. term, or no hair, right? But over the long term, it's it's a better risk than keeping your money, for example, in cash, which will just disappear because of inflation. So, so stay in the, stay in the market. Uh, just be prepared for the the ups and downs. And uh, and uh, if you're not prepared to do that way, send your money to Ryan and let him run your portfolio. But uh, yeah, I like that. It's a good plug. So Mike, when we talk about investments and I'll keep Ryan out of this one particular segment, uh, 
when we talk about it, because he can't talk about specific socks. Uh, right. So, uh, but Mike, your view on Tesla, that's a long-term view. That's a long-term play. Uh, what is your view on the rest of FANG, right? Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google. Same idea. My general philosophy is you pick a good company. It's not, I don't day trade just like Ryan. I've never day traded. I, I don't even know how to do it. I see people on YouTube do it and I look at it and say, wow, that'd be really neat to do, but I just, I'm not in, I don't have that temperament. Um, but if, you know, I just, I look at the way Facebook, for example, the advertising dollars and even, you know, personally, the way you, Walter, use it and in the wholesale mastermind and all the, the Facebook, I, I just think of Facebook as a no brainer over the long term. It's a great company. They own the top six of the top 10 um, social media um, companies, yep. you know, like Instagram and they own, they, they don't just own Facebook. So it's just a, it's a great company and we're all heading there more and more um, for business and, you know, my kids for, for social reasons. I just, that's a no brainer. Netflix. I mean, I watch my kids. We tried to cancel Netflix and my daughter said, no, no, we need to get Netflix back. So, <laughs> you know, it's a streaming service and they're, you know, they may not have come out with good earnings for this quarter, but then again, this is the problem. People are watching CNBC every day saying, what did they do this quarter? Again, that's not the way I trade. I watch that. I, I watch it for entertainment purposes, but I'm looking long-term on all those. I think I think Amazon, after seeing what happened during COVID, how could you, how could you go against Amazon? It's like the whole world. Even my mother was like, "Yeah, we're trapped here in Florida, but we're buying crossword puzzles. I'm getting them from Amazon." And I'm like, "Oh my god!" You, you can't go against these companies. They're too yeah. big. They're too valuable. They help us out too much. You know, yeah, I I agree with you. I yeah. took a Doug. I took up your suggestion to watch the. Uh, men who built America. So I just finished it uh, last night. Went through all eight episodes. Wow. And uh, yeah, oh, yeah, when I go into something, I get obsessive. So that's awesome. <laughs> I totally crushed it. What'd you glean? So uh, I want to get your opinion of it first, right? So I know your daughter's going to jump in the car soon, so you probably won't be able to uh, be as attentive. But what did what was your biggest takeaway? And I'll, I will share uh, what I thought of it as well. I, I didn't. Want them all uh so i but my my takeaway just what what intrigued me and and rec why i recommended it was that was back when there were no rules they were writing the rules and the risks that they were taking and the way they were thinking like thinking obviously creativity creatively but also like genuinely serving but the other thing that was really kind of interesting is different than today um, was kind of how ruthless they were, some of them. Um, right. And, I, right. you know, the, ecologically, I don't know, you know, that's not where, that's not where I'm at. Like, I'm, I would not, uh, I, I'm not ruthless like that. No. But I know some people are, and there's nothing wrong with that, uh, provided, obviously, you're not hurting anybody. But it was very interesting how, um, how far down, like, the, the risk, scale they would go like they like everything and they just threw you know threw everything in um and I, I that i thought was really powerful and uh just it reminded me of the time you know like how important you know look america as a com country you know i think is the best in the world of course because i live here um is it perfect of course not I just believe it it showed what was possible when you allowed ingenuity, creativity, and what we were able to create in such a short period of time by also creating basically capitalism, by, you know, allowing everybody the competition with spheres, and it also set up a, an amazing bit of activity. Yeah. So what Doug is saying uh, is exactly one of the same things I got away from it, uh, Doug. Hey, Christine. <laughs> so um, that that capitalism, right? So so many people fight against it. So many people think it's the wrong thing. And what I kept seeing over and over, and if you read The Science of Getting Rich, which is something we've all read, I kept seeing over and over and over the same names he's talking about. So that book was written in the era of those men. Yep. 
right? Mm-hmm. JP Morgan, Andrew Carnegie, uh, JD Rockefeller. These are all names that come up in the book. And so this series, as, as I'm watching it, they're talking about the train being developed. Then they're talking about steel. Then talking about kerosene. And then they're talking about how gasoline, Henry Ford comes into the play, into the mix. And it goes to the whole age of them building these empires. Yeah, they're a little cutthroat here and there. But in the end, they end up just buying each other's businesses or yeah. they end up selling their company's positions and shares. They're still making money off of the companies that they built. They just don't own them anymore. When the government split them up, they still had ownership of the companies. Mm-hmm. And so they were still rich. And when JP Morgan went and organized the, the purchase of Carnegie Steel and uh, uh, was it in Rockefeller, the, their two conglomerates have put it all together. Yeah. Right. Like he's like, there's a scene where he says, if you'd asked for, uh, if I'd asked you for a hundred million more, you know, what would you have said? And JP Morgan just walks away. But in uh, Think and Grow Rich, you hear that he says, if you'd asked for it, you would have gotten it. <laughs> right. Been, yep. So, yeah. No, yeah. So thank you, Doug. That was a, a phenomenal series. And you got to watch it to the end. Edison and Nik- Nikola Tesla, it gets really intense. Yep. Watching yeah, the and they also did it with the the foods that created America and the cars that create uh, that built America. So they they even drill down a little bit, and it's it's amazing, so inspiring. Just watching that, uh, just going, man, like this is this is the mindset we've got to, you know, obviously temper, right? I mean, it was interesting at J.P. Morgan, um, not J.P. Morgan, uh, um, Rockefeller, that how he nearly escaped death. And like yeah. he had that belief, like he was divinely guided to to do this, uh, so powerful. Um, so yeah, when we, we create that philanthropic capitalism or that capitalism with a conscience, man, it is unstoppable. We we can man change like the world will transform yet again, provided we keep the consciousness in. We can't eliminate capitalism. Capitalism is sound. We just have to. It's so powerful. We need to you know, keep the consciousness, keep, you know, the, the keep grounded and, and uh, man, we can help everybody. I, I like that saying philanthro capitalism, philanthro economics, yep. like going out and building with intention to make the world a better place. Uh, and that was one of the takeaways. What was fascinating was watching them build their empires as one piece came in, it opened up the door for other opportunities as one one stacked their piece of technology. And what was important was they were all thinking on a scale that we don't think about today, right? Or, or the billionaires of the world are serving the world, right? They're serving the entire country. You look at Walmart, you look at Facebook, Netflix. These guys are serving the entire country, the entire world in some cases. That's why they're billionaires. The millionaires are serving their city, right? They're serving like little areas. And then the, the average person is serving their household. Right. Like that's mm-hmm. all they're doing is serving a handful of people. And that's why the income level changes. And what they kept talking about was, well, I could light up all of New England. Right. I could I could light up the whole East Coast. I could connect the entire country together. I've got to get across the Mississippi to connect to the West yep. Coast. Right They're They're working on connecting and lighting the entire world and well, the entire country as as they saw it. And that's, I think, one of the issues that we have uh, today. And like you said, this is the Wild West. It is the Wild West still. Like back then it was the Wild West. You're talking about gold. You're talking about electricity. You're talking about trains, steel, oil, gasoline. But we're in, a, in an age where we have cryptocurrencies. We have uh, businesses that are entirely internet-based. We have businesses. In fact, all of us run coaching businesses on some level or another, which are entirely untangible products. Like you can't even see what we sell. Right. It's a it's a service. It's a a psychological service that actually adds value to people's lives simply by communicating and connecting with somebody. So there's in it that in that arena, much like Russell Brunson says it, it's this is the the Wild West. Like there are no rules. Every so often Google will put something on. He calls a Google slap or a Facebook slap where they change their advertising requirements. And, you know, we have to adjust what we're doing. The we're in an arena where. There is still is the Wild West. There, there is an, a mm-hmm. frontier that has not been touched that we're exploring into. Uh, so absolutely fascinating. Thank you, Doug. That was a um, really powerful Welcome series. Ryan. So there you go. Mitch is doing, uh, you know, creating a new, a whole new way of doing things. He's going to, you know, set a new standard for 
uh, applying the the whole blockchain and, and crypto. It's brilliant. And if we can get like uh, Mitch and Mike were talking about the other day was blockchain with real estate, getting it to the point where mm-hmm. titles are on a blockchain. Like, you know, there's no question of whether this title is clean or clear. It's boom, pull it up. There it is. And yep. run it, sell and transact. I think not too far from now, we'll be transacting real estate quickly. I don't think it'll mm-hmm. be as slow or as long and tedious as it is right now. And we can already see it with crowdsourcing. So that may be another avenue of investment in the future where crowdsourcing didn't exist 10 years ago or like 15 years ago. It did not exist. It didn't start picking up till five, 10 years ago. So there's another avenue for investing in real estate and, and it's, it's viable to raise the capital and to, and to pull your money out. Well, that's what Grant Cardone is doing in, in not so many terms. I mean, basically you're, you're able to buy into, it's like a giant REIT that he's creating. 100%. A lot like a REIT. Mike, did you hear that word? <laughs> And so when we look at asset classes, what's doing well right now? Uh, we talked about the stocks for a little bit. We've talked about, uh, we talk about real estate all the time. We know real estate is on the rise. It seems to be continuously on the rise. Uh, Mitch, where is cryptocurrency at the moment? And I, I know I've seen it on the rise as well. I've seen Bitcoin come back. Uh, it's up 10%, I think, uh, this week. Wow. I mean, where is cryptocurrency is a very different question compared to like, where is Bitcoin? Um, I mean... Cryptocurrency on a whole is in the same place it's been for the last few years. It's on a trajectory of, you know, larger adoption, um, becoming more intertwined with our society, becoming more accepted, becoming more uh, normal, quote unquote. Um, And that's only going to continue, especially as, you know, younger generations become adults, um, generations that grew up with cryptocurrency. You know, think about, you know, adolescents and young teens that, you know, were exposed to cryptocurrency two, three years ago, you know, three years from now when they're, you know, 21 plus years old or whatever, it's going to be completely normal to them to use and transact in cryptocurrency. That's why, you know, it's only going to continue to grow. Um, What shape it takes, who knows? I mean, at some point there's going to be, you know, uh, digital currencies from the governments. I mean, it's already happening. Um, I was on, uh, a crypto call this morning and we talked about that i forget unfortunately the country uh china eludes me it wasn't china it was no it was like a third world small country but they're already like ahead of the game of everything because even though like they're a third world country 90 percent of their population has a smartphone which that's the world we live in now like this country is where like it's easier to have a smartphone and a connection than it is to get clean water like how crazy is that so Countries like that really are at, in a position to like shift, you know, the the economic, you know, outcome of their of their whole society, so to speak, just because of technology. And I think we're going to see a big fundamental shift at some point in terms of in terms of like world powers because of that. But they're already doing a pilot program where basically it's a government digital currency, and essentially you link to it, you know, using your smartphone. It's obviously backed by the government, just like the U.S. dollars backed by the U.S. government. So it's already happening. Just because the U.S. isn't doing it doesn't mean it's not out there. We're actually, you know, the U.S. is behind the curve when it comes to crypto and digital currencies. So they're just resting on their laurels about us being the world, you know, reserve currency. But um, it's uh, it'll be interesting. But uh, I know the U.S. does have a pilot program that they've already launched using some kind of, you know, whatever it is, Fed coin or whatever you want to call it. I forget the exact, there was a specific uh, name for it. Um, so freedom coins. I don't know about that. I don't think <laughs> the opposite. Cause I'll buy some of those. <laughs> Especially depending on how this whole election works out. Uh, socialism. Uh, anyway, right. so excuse me. Please. Um, so yeah. So cryptocurrency on a whole, um, I still think is very much in the growth phase. Uh, the early adopter phase kind of happened. Um, and I, I think we're on the brink of that, you know, I don't know, not mainstream is the word I'm not looking for, but just that more mass adoption where it's becoming normal to people. Where the bell curve hits, ticks up and it's the secondary people that come into the yes, market. Yes, exactly. So um, I think we're at the beginning of that. Um, I do think that, you know, if someone's going to have a completely diversified portfolio and they want exposure to, you know, quote unquote, uh, risk assets, which are the ones that have a high probability of uh, either giving you a asymmetrical return or leaving you with nothing, 
you know, um, well, crypto fits that bill and it should be part of everyone's portfolio. Just like someone throws it at, uh, whatever, a startup tech company. Um, right. so yeah, anyone that doesn't have crypto, well, in 10 years, sorry. Um, <laughs> and that's not to say a, a coin you buy will go up. I mean, there's going to be tons of them that are worthless, just like the dot-com era where every company that put dot-com at the end of it had an IPO, they made no money. And 98 out of those hundred companies were worth nothing, but two of those were like Amazon and Apple. And so uh, it's like anything else, high risk, high reward. But in my opinion, um, if you're going to be completely diversified, if you don't have some exposure to crypto, then you really aren't uh, exposed to all possible risk assets. What about gold? Mitch, where do you stand on the precious metals? You know, I own gold and silver. Um, <laughs> I like gold less because of crypto, to be honest with you. Um, at this point, if I have extra capital, I'll put it into gold. But if I have a choice between crypto and gold, well, I already have some gold and I have more crypto and I want even more crypto. Um, I do like silver better than gold out of the two. Um, although I'll, it's been a minute since I looked um, at the ratio, but- $24 for yeah. silver, 1900 for gold. Yeah, the gold to silver ratio was so out of whack that it was like silver was a no brainer um, yeah. just to revert back to the mean. So- Again, all this is my uh, personal opinion. Uh, hashtag not financial advice. Not financial advice. Hashtag right. make your own decisions. Yeah, and not only that, he's also a scaredy cat. So, <laughs> yes, I'm pretty aggressive for a scaredy cat. So I gotta ask, what what is the point in gold? What is the point in crypto? Right. So I, I look at crypto and gold as exactly the same thing. They're they're useless currencies okay. that we're holding that are currently not in practice. Right. They have the potential to appreciate and they have the potential to depreciate for no inherent reason no intrinsic value other than the fact that there's a, a giant belief system around just like the dollar right the the belief system behind crypto and the belief system behind and instead of crypto i will say because this is like saying currency in general sucks right crypto is just another currency uh but let's say the belief system around bitcoin or ethereum the belief system around gold and silver will never go back to the gold standard. It's never going to be practical. It doesn't make sense to transfer coins around. Whereas cryptocurrency, I know that we will move in that direction. But like you said, we don't know if Bitcoin could be like one of those uh, companies that got blown up when Apple and Microsoft went head to head, right? Like, like a knockoff version of IBM's, like those companies that just don't exist anymore, but at the time seemed like not like phenomenal companies I'm, all the ones that i'm thinking of are still actually around hewlett-packard dell but they're just not as cool as uh microsoft or apple Nokia. Nokia. i was thinking of companies like you know uh what was that like globe.com and pets.com and gun pets.com everybody always mentions that one Which, that one didn't work out talk about yeah. they must have just been like a few years before their time because the last 20 years like america's been like pet mania like are you yep. kidding me it's the most Chewy. popular Chewy. I think, uh, consumerism Chewy. thing in america yep yep so but yeah um well, real quick as we got in regards to like what you're saying about bitcoin like 100% agree like in the end, Bitcoin could be worth, worth zero. I mean, what like people are looking at it, you know, kind of like digital gold. It's like, it's a right. store of value. Um, it's a way to basically not be in, you know, US dollars, but have it somewhere. Um, it's got a finite supply, which is really one of the big things. I mean, there's 21 million coins, that's it. Yeah. And majority of those have already been mined. So right. I think just the fact that it's got that viewpoint of being like digital gold and there's a finite supply. I think just because of that, Bitcoin will always be worth something. It's just a matter of like what it will be because as a transactional currency, Bitcoin is miserable. It's one of the worst cryptocurrencies in terms of transactional, but it was also the blockchain and the coin that started it all. So of course the technology has gotten surpassed. So, you know, Ethereum, you know, Chainlink, you know, there's so many coins that can be used more, you know, as a transactional currency compared to Bitcoin, because we're not waiting for something to process 30 minutes. You know what I mean? Like it's not happening. It's not how society functions. Right. And we're looking at, we're looking at Bitcoin price wise though, right? Like when we look at the fundamentals of what it's actually capable of, you're absolutely right. It has no, no right being priced where it is, but when you look at its actual price value, it's price significantly higher than any of the other cryptocurrencies by a ratio of almost nine to 10, right? It's like 10 times bigger than Ethereum. And uh, when we look well, at- Hold on, 
it also, you got to look at market cap because Ethereum has way more coins than Bitcoin. Got it. Got it. So just like a stock, you know, what's the float, what's out there, you know, it's kind of like, you know, when a stock, you know, uh, issues more shares and it dilutes the existing stock and the price comes down, or at least it should, unless it's like Tesla, they can just do whatever they want and the stock just goes up. Um, Apple. <laughs> Tesla and, and, and Apple. Apple. <laughs> I love getting reactions out of Mike. Oh. Um, <laughs> so, but anyway, um, so that's something to keep in mind, but you are correct though. I mean, in terms of relative value, it's, it's up there. It's, you know, kind of the top coin and it's because it was first to market. It's the name brand. It's the Kleenex of, of, of cryptocurrency. More people know the word Bitcoin than they know crypto. If you just go out, like if you just did a random survey on the street, more people have heard of Bitcoin than they've heard of cryptocurrency. Yeah. So that's so really the big uh, reason. This is how I see it, right? Because in for anybody listening, this is things that you can, these are assets you can invest in that make a return, right? Assets that you can invest in and make a return. We wouldn't like the idea of currency in general is that it will appreciate. That's the only way it makes money is it appreciates. Same with the stock market, it appreciates or pays dividends. Same with real estate, it appreciates, pays dividends, or you can depreciate, saves up money on taxes or you're paying down a loan. So there's a lot of different income streams here. And same with a business, you build a business, doesn't cost much, but it increases income and potential net worth, as well as you can leverage against it and borrow money against it. So there's a couple of different things you can do to build money. When I look at the currencies, the cryptocurrencies and the currencies of the world, I think of them as you have the dollar, you have Bitcoin, and you have gold. The dollar, Bitcoin, and gold. And then under gold, you have silver and then copper. And copper is basically the most precious of all the other shit metals that exist. Aside from, and then above gold, you've got platinum, palladium. There's like, you know, there's a couple of things above gold, but they're just unpractical, not transacted enough. So it, it's unreasonable to think you could transact it. You've got the dollar and everything underneath the dollar. But there are three currencies that are slightly stronger than the dollar right now. The dollar is actually a little weaker. Uh, I can't think of the name of what the currencies are, but they, they trade out in the Middle East. So there's, there's a little bit of a difference, but for the most part, they're all the same. We just lost Ron, where, where did he go? So for the really? most part, you've got the dollar kicking ass and the everything underneath it. You've got gold kicking ass and everything underneath it. And then you've got Bitcoin kicking ass and everything underneath it. But that doesn't mean that they're going to stay top dog, right? If, if the dollar, the dollar is winning right now, no, no doubt it's winning of all the currencies, but it's going down in value. Of course, all the currencies are going down in value. So they're all getting hurt except for a handful. <laughs> and there's a few that just aren't suffering the way, the way we are like uh, the Jordan. I don't know what they use in Jordan, uh, but in Jordan, they're actually beating us. They're actually increasing in value because they're holding the line and they're, they're doing really well in cryptocurrency we see ethereum as, as the second big dog right the next big dog it's it's like silver it's doing really well and same with gold and silver the volatility on silver makes it fun to trade but at the same time how long will it hold its value and yes we've seen it go up over the years over the last 50 years both gold and silver even copper have gone up in value but as assets go if you had ten thousand dollars what would be the, and i want to run this off this uh question across everybody ten thousand dollars it's all you had and you're making 40,000 a year and uh, you had an option to invest 10,000 to get started. Where would you, where would you start? We'll, we'll start with you, Mitch. Um, I'm going to say the answer that all of us just thought of. Uh, I would just buy a rental property. <laughs> <laughs> Forget what, like 10 K I got a diverse. Nope. I'm just going to buy a rental property. Hands down going to be the best investment over the next 40, 50 years. Like just, when you say all of us, I think, Mitch, you may be surprised as you run across this room, but I agree with you. I agree with you. That is, that is a phenomenal strategy. I mean, I have an answer, but let's get real. Like if I only have $10,000, I'm better off just using that as a down payment on a rental property. And, and, you know, obviously as a real estate investor and a lot of us, you know, in this room or pretty much all of us in this room are real estate investors. It makes the most sense. We know the power of that. We know it's kind of the safest investment. We also know, given what the future looks like, it very well may be the safest investment, you know? So that would be probably the ideal. I'd rather just get a piece of real estate um, and then after that, start diversifying. But if I'm going to the head, what am I doing with 10,000? I'm probably putting it in a mix of crypto stocks and precious metals. 10,000 after, after you get your first piece of real estate? I mean, yeah, ideally. 
<laughs> and like, listen, we all know, I mean, listen, I switched my background because we were talking so much about crypto. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. but in the end, yeah, like you better, I, I just feel like you're better off putting uh, 10,000 into a piece of real estate. Um, as long as you buy right and the cash flows, I mean, but that's a whole nother segment. Um, I love it. But yeah, if I have to like invest 10,000 and, and diversify it, then yes, I want hundred percent. I want some exposure to cryptocurrency. You know, this is a, this is a long term. You only got 10 grand. Come on now. I'm putting 10 grand in and I'm looking at it, what, 30 years from now. So, all right, I'm going to put, I'm going to put some into uh, crypto. I'm going to buy some stocks I believe in for the long term, like maybe a Tesla or Square or one of these other, like, um, uh, what's the word? Disruptive companies, you know? Um, And then uh, I'll probably, you know, grab some gold or silver just, you know, for the quote unquote safe, um, you know, anti-inflation play. Yeah. I like it. So, what do you guys feel about like uh, collectibles as an asset? <laughs> like China Listen, dolls? Wine and what art is crushing Watches, it. guitars, cars. There are a lot of super, super like valuable uh, assets in, in that world. Doug, that's powerful. Great question. Uh, I know Mitch has an answer. Go ahead, Mitch. Yeah, take this one. Well, no, I mean, he's he's right. I mean, obviously, that's next level. You got to be a little bit, uh, you got to pay attention to it. You can't just kind of set it and forget it. Um, at least I don't feel like you can. But if you look, if you research the data, just investing in wine, like people who have invested in wine over the last 20 years have crushed it. Yep. I'll pay, like beat the stock market, beat most investments, if not all investments, but you got to know what you're doing. You got to know, you know, which ones to buy and all that good stuff, which I'm sure there's an expert somewhere. Big winners, big losers. That's, that's, uh, that's what the antiques in the collectibles. I, I look at that market. And I say big winners, big losers. It's, yeah. it's easy to get crushed, but man, it is is phenomenal if it works out, but it's hard to hard to make it work because you got to be super niched. But it is a way to I think you know I know buddies of mine who flip cars right that make money flipping cars. My brother does that. Cars. What is it? My brother does that. He crushes it. Yeah, I got a, I got a friend who'll buy bases from people who go on Craigslist, buy a base for like a thousand dollars, and go and just refurb it and sell it for four or five thousand dollars, right? Because he knows how to sell instruments, right? It's his his gig. Um, and Lesson. Doug, what? know your niche know your master niche. one thing and there was a guy there was a guy on uh bigger pockets before he got into real estate he was flipping couches so yeah. he would he would go on craigslist he'd find a couch for like 50 bucks take it to his storage facility clean it clean it uh redo it and the very next day put it back on for like three four hundred bucks so you can flip couches and he had a storage unit, right? Storage still, that's perfect. Yeah. That sounds like a great there. title to a book. Yeah. <laughs> so a thousand dollars. Doug, what would you uh what would you invest in? Thousand dollars. Uh ten thousand dollars. No, ten thousand. Uh ten thousand. Uh yeah, I, so I'd uh, probably similar to Mitch, I'd I'd get uh some gold, some uh definitely start looking at some, you know, see what was going on with the the tech stocks. Um and I, I might like knowing my niche, musical instruments, that kind of thing. I, I know those. So I might, you know, I might do something like that just for fun, take a, you know, 2,500 bucks and go, okay, let me, you know, get, get a, an old Gibson or something that I know is going to have some value and, you know, I could flip it. Uh, I used to, I used to flip cars and guitars. Nice. <laughs> flip cars onto guitars. Very good. I, you know what, Doug? That was that was an asset I didn't think uh, see coming up. So I like that one. Uh, Ryan McDermott, what do you got? Ten thousand dollars. I, I got a lot of questions. Um, I'm going to answer your question with a question, kind of like Let me qualify this. Um, you know, and you know, the, the long answer is going to be that I'm probably not going to give you an answer um, because I don't know how old the person is. I don't know if they're married. I don't. This know. This is you, bro. This is you starting with nothing, and you got ten grand. This is. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't. You're just I, trying I, to force him to answer. No, I, 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 you know, I feel bad, but I really, it's just, yeah, it's too close yeah, to too, advice. It's too specific to anybody, right? I, I will say just to add to the, just to the collectible thing, I, I, you didn't mention watches. I mean, I know I, I have a friend who collect, who, who buys Rolex watches and there's an app for Rolex watches where you can, you can literally, it's like a Zillow for Rolex. Uh, Zillow for watches and um, 
you know, if you buy those from a jeweler um, and you resell those online, there's an arbitrage almost every single time you buy them. Uh, so, not investment advice, but. Um, so I'm going to say for Ryan, he's going to go get his, uh, what is the license you guys carry? What is the license? I have a, a series uh, six and 65. So you're, you're gonna go get your Series Six, 65, get it shined up nice, and go out there and start marketing and <laughs> service some people and get some more money, right? <laughs> That's right. Well, yeah, I, you know what? I, I, you know what I will say for myself, um, and this is me personally, is I, I'm investing in my business and myself, you know, and, and I think that's, uh, you know, I, I think that's a fair investment. Um, you know, is to, is, is to invest and build up, you know, my biggest source of income right now is my business. Yeah. And I want to increase my income yeah, along with my net worth, but that, that'd be what I'd be doing. So I like that. I like that's that. Great so answer. Self-development, go out, uh, marketing, self-development, build your business up. Phenomenal. So we've got uh, buy a house owner occupied. We've got uh, start a business. We've got uh, invest in uh, little niches like uh, collectibles, guitars, things that you know, watches, uh, gold. Mike Shine, what do you think? Ten. Uh, How do you make it? it on a, spend it on a Walter Amarello training program. <laughs> <laughs> and some scaredy cat books. So scaredy cat. Maybe a little generator coaching if you could. And uh, Doug McGurk. <laughs> I, I like it. So, okay. 10 grand buys all of us. That's yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's true. With that, you'd be unstoppable. Good. Wow. Wait, you can get a start anyway. Run, run to the back of the room. What a show off. <laughs> now, uh, obviously every, this was posted somewhere like on Facebook and everybody said that they would invest in themselves, which I, I don't know, I get so, but it, it made me kind of gag. It was a little cheesy. I would invest in myself. I don't know. I, maybe it's a little cliche, so yeah. I don't. I guess well, if, I mean, I was, if I had ten grand, but I only had like what do we say, forty grand salary a year, something like that. You're starting at the bottom. You got forty grand coming in. I'm a huge fan of Kathy Wood. Um, Ark Invest. She has ETFs. She has five different art ETFs. I'd probably maybe put two grand in each each one of those. Disrupt her, and then leave it and let Kathy do her magic. Tell me you wouldn't margin that a little bit. Okay, there you go. You can get even more <laughs> margin. Nice. All right. All right. So uh, safe but aggressive. You know, it's a long-term play. You're looking at a PE ratio of what, 20 to 60% a year of ranges, depending on how she's doing. Right, right. She's okay. crushing the competition right now. So it's pretty and, awesome. And, and what's beautiful about that is, you know, that's you're being active, but you're not because the ETF is being pruned so to speak, by the management, um, you know, I think since a lot of us are pretty active investors, like when you ask me that question, at least I'll get very specific because I'm like, this is what I would do. But most people aren't handling their investments like that. They need, you know, some kind of management. So ETFs are a great, great way to do that. Or obviously having like an awesome financial planner like Ryan McDermott, you know, those are the avenues to go to if you can't, you know, actively yeah. you know, do your spring cleaning, so to speak, on your investments. Yeah. That, that would be, uh, that, that was based on your hypothetical. That would be very different from what I would do with 10 grand based on my situation. I'm just saying if someone oh, makes yeah, yeah. Based, on, based on your situation, you just stack the piles, man. Just <laughs> <laughs> whatever. <laughs> just, here we go. More Tesla. He's sitting. More Tesla there. <laughs> that's not a chair that he's on. It's a stack of money. <laughs> <laughs> Delusional. <laughs> but i would buy te but i would buy tesla so yes. 10 grand on tesla can we just get a little more <laughs> i would that's not advice i'm just uh, completely passionate and a believer so you do your own research well and that is you know something that you know people say it's you know buy what you know or buy what you believe in or buy what buy what you consume you know so there's something to be said for that and what was that uh i think that was peter lynch's book right he talks about that and yeah, so, yeah. you know Buy what you consume, buy what you know. Yeah. And uh, Warren Buffett says that all the time too. So I love I think it. all of those rich guys say that. <laughs> Segway to Terry Wager. Terry, 10 grand. You got nothing to start with in a $40,000 a year job. Funny you should say that because I've already been in that situation. And <laughs> you know, I'm 
I'm, I'm, I, you know, I started generator coaching from a, a business that lost most of its money when we went to Obamacare and I'm not, you know, I'm not political. I have no problem with that. But when Obamacare came in, one of the things that happened is everybody had to have insurance. And so they wanted to use it. And I was in an insurance-based business being in mental health. And so everybody who was paying me uh, cash got a resentment towards the government making them do this and, and got a resentment towards having to have insurance. So they wanted to use it. So my cash clients all went to want to use their insurance. And so then I went from making 150 per person per hour or whatever it was uh, to a $25 copay. And then because I was incorrectly listening to my own bad advice, not knowing the situation, I actually um, got on panel so I could get more referrals. And then I had to uh, commit to their rules, which was basically take what we give you. And so my income went from about 200,000 to about 100,000. And then it dropped very quickly to about 60 or 70 grand. And so I really kind of had your situation. And that's when I left mental health uh, because one, I, I wasn't really um, excited anymore about the, the depression anxiety thing, but I had a group of people in my practice that were all about um, wanting to grow their businesses. And so I started working with them exclusively and my income started going up. And so I realized really quickly that helping people with their businesses makes more money than helping people with their problems. Um, so going so back to the $10,000, going back to the 10,000 <laughs> now from the years that I've learned about what I'm doing and how I'm doing it, I would spend that money on stages on what stages. oh stages pay to play because yep. i can take my information and all of what we've been talking about is very good to earn money in a passive income but information is more of an active income but it really brings in money when you know how to use it right and i, so, I like the avenue just went down um you're actually very in line with me. So you just paid to be on a stage that Grant Cardone's going to be on. Mm -hmm. So how many people are supposed to be at that event? Uh, right now, the the number that I just heard about is right around 6,000. And what's your conversion rate? My conversion rate, when somewhere around 20%, 25%, depending. Um, industry standards, but, 10. So say say worst case scenario, hit industry standard. Yeah. Um, you know, and and... For, for me, the, the way I'm doing it is a soft offer where I start talking to that group. And so it's a little longer play. But when um, I did this just in June, just in June, I paid three grand for uh, a sponsorship to a stage. I wasn't even on the stage. And I ended up making $20,000 off that 3000 Nice. So even if we I did like it that. like that, what's that? <laughs> I like that. That's a good marketing strategy. Three grand. Right. Three and so grand. even if it was just like that, and I'm doing another one in November too. Um, even if it was just, uh, you know, 10 grand and I made uh, six times my money, uh, six times the, the five grand, I make 30 grand. I'm good. Right. And so for me, it makes much more sense to do that and keep my money in play. Yep. And here's the thing that I'm really getting at is not just the stages, but it's the relationships that's the currency. The money is just how we play, yep. but it's really the relationships, who we know, who we work with, the, the joint ventures that, that we do together, that really is the, the gold, so to speak. And so it doesn't matter whether I have stocks or, or anything like that, because if I have my information and a relationship with you, we can start making money. I like that. I like that. Wow. Okay. All right. So we've got a bunch of great ideas and I want to combine all of them. Uh, as I've listened to each and every one of you, each one of you is right. Each one of you is accurate. And for anybody who's listening at home, this is the ultimate strategy. You start with, it's funny that we all went around the circle and we went this way, but Terry's concept of, and kind of what Ryan said, kind of what Mike said, 
first you go and you invest in your business and you increase your income. If you don't know how to do it, then first you go and you get a coach, right? If you don't have a play to increase your business through spending money, then you don't have any business doing that. You first, you got to get trained, <laughs> right? So uh, there's that first element, but like Terry said, whether it was a coaching program, like what we do, or it was a landscaping company or a uh, drywalling company or a painter or a plumber or an electrician or a financial advisor or a real estate agent, it does not matter. That first $10,000 should be marketing. It should be getting you in front of your clients and it should be right marketing, not bullshit marketing, not just, Hey, here, throw away 10 grand. Well learned, well invested $10,000 should return you at least 20. Should it, like, this is inefficient returns. This is the worst case uh, returns, but you should at least double your money. If you get good, like Terry is, you get good at converting. Uh, for me, I can spend $2,000 and make $10,000. I know those numbers inside and out. That's, it's non-negotiable. And so if you can get to that point in your business, now you've got that 10 grand back. You've got that 10 grand back at the end of a month or at the end of three months, and you start rolling it. That's where it starts making sense, scaling that piece and then shifting it off. Now, you, of course, this type of income isn't like what Mike suggested or Mitch suggested or Ryan suggested where there's no taxes involved or possibly what Doug suggested is if you keep it off the grid. There may be no taxes involved there also. <laughs> that so, was not, that was not legal advice, not legal, nor financial advice. <laughs> <laughs> Doug hides. <laughs> not me. I don't know what you're talking about. Doug who? <laughs> so take your money and put it in a, uh, non-taxable accounts in the Cayman Islands. <laughs> so this is this is why we talk about uh, set for life, right? Invest in yourself. And then the the buying of a property, the first thing Mitch said, and I, I agree all of us would do it. If we didn't own any real estate, the first step all of us would take is a multifamily, owner-occupied, house hack, whatever, whatever you have to do to get some rents coming in from that property, owner-occupied, so you're paying 3% down, 10 grand will buy you at least a $300,000 house, which you can do in just about any market you can find something for 300,000 might not be as desirable depending on the market. If you're in Ryan's market, 300,000 is not much gets you a shoebox. <laughs> but you, you can live in that shoebox and rent out the other part of it for, uh, for a little bit, half your mortgage. And since you're probably working from home now, thank you, COVID, you can move an hour away where you can get that property for 300,000. <laughs> Absolute reality. And you can start a business anywhere. You don't, you don't need to be local to start a business. Even in real estate, you can just run your license through other people. Yeah, I'm in Portland. You're in Boston and we're working together. hundred um. percent. So you have the ability to build a business quickly. And it is, I do believe the most leveraged asset that you can own is your business, your time, your business. You can control that leverage or further. Ryan McDermott hit on that. Uh, Mike Shine's already doing it in his act active business. And that's why he has the ability to play with the other assets. Same with Mitch, uh, Mitch Jorsky knows the value of that active income that brings money in and uh, same with Doug, you know, we're all doing it. <clears throat> so you start with the act that $10,000 investment in building your business, build the business, get it. So it's bringing that money back in monthly and then you can start adjusting. Now it's okay. What else, what other assets do I want? And rental property does make the most sense to be the second asset, especially owner occupied, go in, you got cash flowing now, owner occupied house hack, second asset as that starts appreciating, then it's turned back to the business, turn back to the business and double down on that advertising, double down on the infrastructure, whatever you have to do to increase so that you can bring more in, whether or not you like your business doesn't really matter at this point because you should be out of it. You can invest to the point where you're pulling yourself out after a hundred thousand dollars. When you get to the quarter million, you can pull yourself out of it. You're at a point where you've doubled your income. You've gotten out of the 40 of up to a hundred now from a hundred beyond, you're looking at getting out of the business. This is a year or two out, but you can. And once you've gone out, now you're focused on the other forms of uh, active, passive income. How do I increase my business even more? How do we buy another piece of real estate? And now I diversify. Now I'm getting into stocks. Now I'm getting into gold. Now I'm getting into crypto. Now it's uh, other people's businesses, other assets that you can invest in, but never forgetting where you started. That business is where you should always be putting most of your investment. Most of your money belongs going back into the business. It buys you more, more business. It buys you more cash flow, And it employs the people who are taking all the responsibility from you. And you get like Mike is, where his employees are part of his investment strategy. He can talk to his paralegals and they can help him out with some elements to his investment strategy. He has 
people that he can leverage. Same with our property management company. We can leverage some of those pieces when we do other parts of the business. So building your business and same with this training company. I don't know if uh, any one of you guys know, you're all coaches, but at any point, if you asked any of our students for a ride to the airport, you got a ride. You're guaranteed, right? You might even get paid to drive in their car with them. This, this making sense. We have, we have people who would kill to have our time. I'm, I can test this theory in a week. I'm probably going to need a ride to the airport <laughs> from Fall River uh, a week from Saturday. Hey, so stop. I might put this to, to the test. So Mitch, if you're down for a, to give somebody a free hour uh, coaching session, you got to ride. I guarantee well, you. We know that I have a bad habit of giving people free hours of coaching, coaching sessions. So I'm also going <laughs> to ride out of it. You might as well. Might as well get paid to play, man. <laughs> I never thought about that. That's genius. Why I'm spending money on rentals every time I come up. I could just get rides on coaching sessions. You know, I was like you, Mitch. I didn't charge for coaching at all um, until I started getting like checks in the mail. People literally like, hey, thanks for that. You know, I just bought my first house. Thank you so much. And I get a fucking check. And I look at it and be like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I, don't even, I wasn't the agent. I didn't have any involvement. All I did was give advice. And I didn't even know like they'd gotten this far, but the check came in the mail anyway with a, with a letter saying, because of you, you changed my life. Like, thank you so you know, much. And you that's the, for it first. Go ahead, Terry. That's the power of information is because the information is how people learn how to do what they want to do. And if they don't have the information, they're relying on their own advice. They're relying on their own information and they don't go anywhere. We are a tape loop that just goes right around and around and around. And so we, we have to change who we're listening to, what we believe, and we got to change what we act upon. Because if we're not doing that, we stay the same. And we, we become, I don't know if anybody's ever seen the Comcast commercial. I don't know if you guys got Comcast out where you live, but uh, the settlers where we just, you know, we're not doing anything. We're just sitting there. <laughs> That's priceless. I love it. That's so go ahead, Brian. Yeah, yeah. Just coming back to rides, this great story. And I, I, I don't even know where I heard this. This is like the greatest marketing idea. So like, uh, you know, his financial advisor in the New York area um, who was dialing and trying to get in front of executives. And the executives kept saying, you know, what you'd expect. I'm too busy to meet with you. I'm too busy to meet with you. Well, it's like, you know, they're all coming in from, you know, places in Connecticut and Westchester County and, New Jersey and different places, and they all have to commute into Manhattan. So what this guy did was he rented a really nice um, van. Uh, it was like a van where they could set up and have a meeting in the van. And he's like, "I'll drive you to work. And we'll meet. I'll have a driver. And then and then we'll meet while while we're commuting in. And that's how he grew. Like started getting like overnight started working with executives. Such a clever I mean, idea. That's great. And that goes back to, you know, filling a need, like, you know, Galter talked about uh, the other Saturday about, you know, you don't build the product and then find, find the, you know, the clients or the customers, you essentially find the clients slash customers and fill that need, whatever need they it is they have. I would totally pick you up at the airport if we talked about crypto all the way to fall river or whatever the heck it is wow mike That'd mike will awesome. drive 45 minutes to the airport to drive another hour down another 45 minutes home. <laughs> well, well in that case i've been putting too much of the brunt on myself yeah. i mean i need i need tax write-off so i'm not complaining but you know um we did a cost benefit analysis okay if i could get you for an hour and a half to explain to me in detail what bitcoin was what blockchain was so that I could go out and um, do it comfortably or do it um, with skill. I mean, the amount of money I could make from that hour and a half of driving in the car would be totally worth it. So. This is true. Which reminds me, uh, Mitch, you owe all of us some more information on the Leo uh, crypt, the Leo coin yeah, that right? you got. I told him that today. Already Mike and I actually, here's so so quick sidebar. This morning, I had my sidebar. weekly uh, roundtable call with the with the with my crypto guys, and um, I mentioned I told I told this Mike I told Mike this earlier. I mentioned both of you guys because the new onboarding process is done. So at a minimum, Galter, we got to get you on because you don't even need any crypto to get onto Leo Finance, but you should be pumping content on there because you earn the Leo coin just putting content on the site. Bro, I got a VA. What kind of content? Pop it on there for me. <laughs> uh, so it's a finance, it's basically, you know, financial. So think, think Seeking Alpha 
Are you familiar with the website Seeking Alpha? Yep. So Think Seeking Alpha is just on the blockchain. So it's finance related content, crypto, real estate, anything money. You could, you know, financial opinions, like just financial related content. And then essentially, like when people vote on your on your posts, you earn crypto. You basically earn, you know, a percentage of that crypto that's created from those votes. And then also there's the opposite. If you, let, let's say you own uh, a bunch of the coins, right? And you stake them, so to speak. It's almost like kind of like, you know, I don't know, being on like a dividend reinvesting plan. Um, it gives you essentially, you know, influence. So when I vote on someone's post, my vote is worth a lot more than other people's because I have a large amount of coin stake, but I also earn a curation oh, reward. So I'm I earning this crypto buy, from voting I'll buy a and bunch, posting. I'll buy a bunch of Bitcoin. And then, Gualta, you can post things on there. And I'll vote for yours every time, and we'll split the... Split the there you thing. go. The trifecta. I see us all voting for each other. We'll, yeah. <laughs> we'll share. And this is one of the ways that I actually earn income from crypto. When people say, like, oh, you can't, you don't, you can't earn income from crypto because you just buy it and hold it. I'm like, well, you might not, but I'm earning income from crypto every single day of my life. So can I, do you have a website address that we can go to to see all this? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. I'll send you everything. I figured when I was in town, I would just sit down like with Galter and you or do a Zoom at Galter's. So when are you coming to Portland? I'm okay with that. Um, you, is it something that the public can see in the Facebook chat or, or is it? Yeah, uh, the, the, the account creation actually, yes. And Gal listen, and the way and what you know, the way Galter is, he's gonna want it because he's gonna want to know, he's gonna want everyone to know what his account slash username is on the site so people know to look for. In fact, it should just be your name. Yeah, this I'm pretty sure it's available. So <laughs> Galter Amarello on the Leo Finance. I'm scaredy cat guide on, on Leo Finance. I mean, so and Leo I actually have my, my leofinance.com. Uh, it's leofinance.io. I'll, so I'll, I'll drop the link in the chat. Thank you. But that's, again, in the end, that's the blogging site, but everything's connected to that, your wallet and all that stuff. You can view your balances. So we'll get into it. Like I said, it's it's getting streamlined. And guess what? Rumor has it, pretty soon, you're going to be able to log in and or create an account just from your Google login. Nice. Just like Zoom. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm down for that. So I, I like the idea of uh, having some exposure to crypto, especially if it doesn't cost me anything. Reminds me a lot of like mining for gold or buying like very inexpensive real estate and doing the value add plays, getting land for free. Any of those things are like really cool to me. Uh, I would have mined Bitcoin if it was cheaper. Uh, I mean, if I was in it 10 years ago, I guess I would have been cheaper. So these are all... This was a good conversation, guys. Uh, thank you so much for hanging out with me and uh, hanging out together and putting this together for the community. Doug, I know you're still there. Thank you uh, for that series that you gave us. Um, Steve, Steve O'Keefe, who's in our program, one of our students, he mentioned to me, Bigger Pockets Podcast 409, giving yourself permission to go bigger. The blue fishing mentality with Steve Sims. I just ordered the book from listening to this podcast. It is intense. It's called Blue Fishing. And what he said is, he was making the most money of his life and he only had 89 clients or 90, 98 clients, but they were all billionaires. And that's how he starts the podcast. And uh, basically what he said is kind of like what Mitch was talking about where, or uh, Ryan was talking about with picking the guy up from the airport. Instead, what he was doing was throwing parties, but he only threw parties for wealthy people. He like, if you wanted to meet Madonna, like, okay, cool. Got him on the phone. Like, this is what he would do. Uh, just to get to the next level. How do I get to the next level? How do I get to the next level? Is you know, throwing better parties for richer people and just only hunting for those people and say, hey, I throw the best parties and stacking up. And so his Rolodex became, he's like, I don't need anybody in my Rolodex except for these under 100 people. And that's who we service. It's the Dream 100. I know, Ryan, you see it. <laughs> uh, so consistently, that comes up over and over in everything that we're doing. Focus on your business, buy real estate, diversify into currencies and stocks and other assets. And I'll, I'll look at all currencies as currencies. Right? It should be gold, a little uh, Bitcoin and go below, go granular if you want, go silver, go uh, all the other cryptocurrencies. You can go into copper, but it's, it's almost like doesn't make sense. Just like a lot of the crypto just doesn't make sense. 
Uh, same with, you know, getting into the yen or other currencies. It's like, I know our buddy uh, Carlos Bello loves trading the yen. That makes sense to him. He, he loves uh, trading yen. Uh, I like the dollar. I think the yen is a good, another good currency. And then you got everything else, right? <laughs> you got peso, like all the other stuff. But if you're going to be investing right now, you got 10 grand to go and run it, focus on yourself. Either hire the coach to build your business or go build your business, reinvest in your business, make that money, double increase your income. Every one of us is a business owner. Every one of us has gone and done this piece and then invested in real estate. And by investing in real estate, it helps you save some money monthly, builds up your net worth while you're going out and building your business again, increasing it. So a lot of great advice. Uh, coaches, thank you so much for hanging out with us. I'm going to put this on Facebook. It's already Facebook Live. Just go in and drop your information into the comments so anybody who's looking to get in touch with you can reach out to any one of the coaches and learn more themselves. Cheers to your success, uh, success gentlemen. I'm going to go smoke cigars tonight with our real estate group. Mitch, sorry, missing it. <laughs> Just should have done it next Thursday. <laughs> Later, guys. I appreciate each and every one of you guys. Thank, Thank you. you, Walter. Thanks, guys. You rock.